Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. So happy to be here, AKA Radio Red in the house with two lovely, really, really smart ladies. We're going to talk about topics that you may think are taboo or you may not be sure what we're going to, how we're going to approach them. We're going to talk about financial management for women. What money? I know people like me, we don't want to talk about it. We hope it comes in and we do something smart with it and use it well, but we don't really want to talk about it. Today we are with my special guest, Jessica Weaver, and we're going to speak about spirituality and a lot more. What is it? Do you have it? Do you need it? it? Do you learn it? Were you born with it? Do you get it through school? Does somebody give you spirituality? How do you know with Susanna Healy? I don't usually introduce my guests at the top, but I'm so excited to have them. I'm going to ask the two ladies on my panel today to do a shout out with me to LLL. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Hello, LLL. Hello, one, two, three. Hello, LLL. L. No. Here we got it. We sort of got LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener, and she lives in Whitestone, Long Island. But they're they're waving to you, Laura. However, I'm trying to take up it's a fictitious GoFundMe to fund her moving to London because it'd be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, most loyal listener in London, because she didn't want to go to Larchmont, which is near Whitestone, but it starts with an L. But she said it wasn't classy enough, so we're trying to get her to London. So Jessica Weaver, we might have to do some financial management for Laura. Okay, I, I there we think go. we'll work on that. So this is a show where I talk to really interesting people about creativity, cool conversations with creatives, and today my very special guests are, as I said, Jessica Weaver and Suzanne. Anna Healy, and I'm just really, really happy to be here. A quick shout out to my engineer extraordinaire at Voice America Empowerment Channel, Josh. Everybody wave hello to Josh. Thank you, Josh, for getting us on the air. There we are. So let's go around the table. Let me just tell a little bit more about my guests, and then I'll have them talk to you about the fuller background. We're hearing some some sound. I think it's Susanna. If you can, Josh, we have Susanna change her, her um, suppressed noise to medium instead of low, because I'm hearing like an air noise. Oh, it stopped. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Jessica Weaver, CFP. I think that's Certified Financial Planner. Jessica, yes. I, I got it. See, I'm getting my alphabet yeah. right. AKA, not your father's advisor, and I'm going to say not your grandpa's advisor or your <laughs> grandmother's advisor either. She's a wealth advisor. She's a best-selling author. I love that. She's a blogger. You'll find out what. She's the founder of the hashtag Pink Fix Movement. We'll find out about that. And creator of Money Empire Club. The Strong Retirement Club. I'm never going to retire, Jessica. Don't even talk about it. And the Money Council. You can talk to us about how to become a money queen. Man, guys, you can listen and maybe you'll become the money king of the money queen. Who do? Who knows? She's a wealth advisor and she talks about being a mad money scientist and helps women become better money negotiators. So, Jessica Weaver, I'm going to put you on speaker view, full view for a minute. Why don't you take a couple of minutes and fill in that bio for us, please? Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much, Red. I am so excited to be here tonight, and especially with Susanna, because I also take a very spiritual side approach to money. So this could be really interesting tonight. But yes, I've been a financial advisor for 11 years. I also grew up in the industry. My dad's been an advisor for 40 years. So I remember sitting on the floor of our family room stuffing envelopes to mail out to 
bring new clients on to prospect. And then I worked every summer there. I started getting my licenses in college. And right when I graduated, I went full speed into an advisory role. And about five, six years ago, I really shifted to helping women. I wanted women to get more engaged with money because the problem is, Red, women, we spend about 85% of the world's wealth, but we only make 10% of it. And I want to shatter that number. I want to... Because women, we give about four times more back more than men. So imagine if we started to raise that 10%, how much power we could change in this world. How much wow. positivity we could have. That, that's, that's my mission. That's a wow what you said. And, and we're going to try. I want everybody to know that Jessica has some very personal, very adult stories in her book about her grandmother, Claire, and Claire's second husband. So if you think we're going to have a dry conversation about open this 401k solo plan (laughs) and start your IRA and how much money do you put away every week and how many shoes do you own, we're not talking about that kind of your father's, your mother's, your grandmother's, your grandfather's advisor, right, Jessica? We're no, it's going to be juicy tonight. It's going to be juicy. This is the, I should have called it the creative and juicy financial management queen. There we go. Ooh, Jessica, like thank it. you. We have so much to talk about, but I promise everybody listening, you're going to have a story about Claire and Fred that's going to knock somebody's socks off because you're going to be shocked about Grandma Claire and the stories Jessica is telling out of school. There we go. Now let's move to Susanna Healy. Susanna, so happy to have you here. And I will read a little bit about you, but I want you to, to embellish it or to expand it. You're a psychologist, a right. mind, mindfulness meditation teacher, hypnotherapist. I don't do that, so we don't talk about that too much. And the author of The Seven-Day Soul Finding Meaning Beneath the Noise. And there is so much noise out there. She is in Ireland, and she's going to talk about why she hated being in marketing. Lots of people do. She moved into the field of psychology, and she's going to also talk about finding your career sweet spot. Susanna Healy, I'm very pleased to put you on speaker view so everybody can see beautiful you. And why don't you tell us a little more about yourself? Susanna, welcome. Thank you. And I'm so pleased to be with you all here this evening. Uh, yeah, as you said, Red, uh, I'm a psychologist uh, um, and a mindfulness teacher. But I came, uh, you mentioned the marketing background. And, you know, marketing itself is a fantastic skill to have. But it was just the life that I was in. I remember kind of, you know, when I, I'd done my college days and all of that kind of thing, went into marketing, thought it was all I wanted to do. And I loved languages, loved doing international marketing. And then I just found myself kind of having this kind of sense of meaninglessness. I felt it kind of like I was, you know, on a Sunday night, I was crying going into work, dreading going into work the next day and thinking, oh, golly, I just feel like a little robot or a little ant. And I had this kind of, it was like a big picture thinking, which meaning often is actually, um, it's kind of connecting everything together. And it was almost like a meaninglessness that I, I felt that when I looked at the bigger picture, I was just turning up and going back from work and feeling a little bit empty and feeling like I was trying to sell people things that they didn't really need kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, and so I went back to study again and uh, studied, went to study psychology. And from day one, it was just, I'm, I found my groove. This is where I'm supposed to be. And it kind of continued from there. Um, so it was absolutely, it was that feeling of uh, Jared Manley Hopkins, the, the poet, had a beautiful phrase of, when, you know, for what I do is me, for this I came. And it was that sense of, um, I suppose like Jessica, I want to make spirituality juicy. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> well, then we're just going to have to do that. Can you re- can you share that quote one more time, Susanna? That beautiful sure. quote. Here. It was. It's from a poem. He wrote a whole poem, but he said, "For, for what I do is me. For this I came." And if we can find that, wow, wow! Pe- people talk about their purpose. What's your why? Yeah. Who are you? Jessica, I'm sure you've come into this many times. People say, what, what do you do? What's your purpose? Why are you here? And I love the way that was stated. That's so beautiful. Just just really lovely. Yeah. My, my purpose, actually, I've been, I've been figuring it out over the past few years, and it's talking to people like the two of you. It's just having conversations. I have many, 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 many dozens of radio shows I produce and host over the past 10 years. I'm up to about 52 series and more clients are onboarding soon. I only have about 12 series this year. I've been known to do 18 series in a year and most of those shows are live. So it's about 200, 250 live shows a year. But my joy is helping people talk comfortably about what they do And what their passion is, and this could be people who specialize in supply chain, it could be people who are specializing in digitalization and digital transformation of big companies, people in tech could be people talking about who own a CBD farm and have a show this week on the future of beer and hard seltzer and CBD beverages with people who are in the wine and beverage industry, some very fascinating people. They own wineries, they're big companies, and I help them, give them an opportunity to talk just to talk in a conversational mode without slides in front of them and just have a conversation without selling anything, just talk about what they know. So that's my why. That's why I I think why I came, Susanna. And I was so shy as a young girl. I didn't even feel comfortable crossing the street till I was eight years old. And and in college, I had to sit in the back of the room. I was afraid the teacher was going to call on me. And in high school as well. Jessica, talk to me. Me too. I was painfully shy as a little kid painfully shy where any birthday party, even my own party, my own birthday party. I remember cowering behind my mom's legs and she's like, go Jess. (laughs) How did you get over it? It wasn't until I became an advisor and I would have to lead the conversation. And that was a very scary thing. But as we all know, the more uncomfortable we are, the more we're on to some sort of success, right? We're stretching ourselves and that's a quotable moment you that's another quotable we're going to have a day full of quotes I have a feeling go ahead Jessica I'm sorry to interrupt but it it just struck me go ahead similar to you just becoming very curious yes and that really helps us come out of our shell just being a naturally curious person and wanting to know everyone's stories yes and there's always something there there's always some good meat there it's Speaking of stories, I promise we promise juicy. So, Susanna, I'm going to go to Jessica first. I want to talk about Grandma Claire because, Jessica, you told me in your notes that you and in your book that and you'll, we'll talk about your book. We'll give a place where people can find it later on in the show. But you talk about Grandma Claire. She was married twice. The second husband was the pip, I'll say. He was he was the <laughs> one. And uh, can anybody imagine a man named Fred who likes to dress up in who's 350 pounds, has two mistresses and a wife in different cities and likes to cross-dress in red leather in clubs. I'm going to stop there. And I Jessica, see, you just gave away a good job. <laughs> I want, well, I, that's a teaser. That's a teaser. You're going to tell the whole story. So yes. when, did, when did Grandma Claire meet him? Oh How did God. she not know? And, and tell us about, and the financial part. What happened with the finances? Yes, Go ahead, course. Jessica. So my grandmother got divorced from her first husband when my mother was four years old. And my mother remembers being put on the stand in the court 
and the judge asking her in front of both parents, who do you want to live with? Talk about really putting a kid under pressure. So my mother lived with both of her parents for a while. My grandmother lived in the D.C. area because she had a children's TV show, Claire and Coco. And she also had a woman's talk show after that. And Sonny and Cher would go on her show. She had a lot of celebrities back then. And she happened to meet a D.C. lawyer named Fred. It's not his real name. Everything's been changed for that. Okay. But they met when my mom was still pretty young. So my mom always viewed him as the stepfather. And right or, not too long after they met, my grandmother retired and she moved south, first to the Outer Banks and then to Florida. And Fred kept working. He was a D.C. lawyer. He kept working and they would see each other a few times a year. Mm. So it was very convenient marriage. I kind of think both of them thought the other would be their retirement ticket. <laughs> I can retire and live off of the other but expectations, right? If you're both thinking that, it's not going to work out. <laughs> so one night, and this was when I was in high school. So fast forward 35 years. Fast forward, they live like that for 35 years. My mother, my grandmother gets a call from an ER nurse. And the nurse says, does he usually do this? And she goes, well, what do you mean? Well, he's in a pink negligee and, you know, pink toenails, pink nails. And my grandma's like, no, what do you mean? And what happened, he had a stroke and his mistress dropped him off. So my mom and my grandmother joined forces and did a little investigating. They found out he had this whole other life in D.C., this gorgeous apartment with a huge dressing room, walk-in closet with ball gowns, red bustiers. I mean, he spent a nice fortune on this wardrobe. He also funded two mistresses, one when he funded through college. One, he paid for her apartment, Mercedes cars, $3,000 handbags, all the way to $3,000 handbags. And what happened, Red, is he and Susanna, he took my grandmother's properties. She owned a few real estate, put them in his name, very oh. sneaky lawyer, and he took money out on them. Oh, dear. So it was time to lawyer up once they got the proof that they needed to. Obviously, there was some forgery going on there, and my grandmother was able to walk away. But you think of like the emotional hardships, the financial drain of going through that divorce and being married to somebody and and not really knowing what's going on. And I think that's my biggest takeaway for women is even successful women in their careers can still make financial mistakes by trusting somebody too much or not being involved and engaged enough when it comes to their money, to their properties, to the titling of their properties. So always encourage women, if you're even in a great relationship, know what's going on. Really know what's going on. If your spouse is not opening up to you, there's a reason they're not opening up. Find out what is it. And there's a lot that you can find out just from a simple tax return. <laughs> just from a simple statement, there's a lot we can uncover. Interesting. As long, as long as you don't get subpoenaed to have your tax returns, what can I tell you? Audits notwithstanding and public information, but we won't go there. No politics on my show. Sorry I brought that up. Very, very interesting. The question of trust, Jessica, so mm. important. And when it comes down to money, that's something I want to say it's not negotiable. You need money to live. You need something to do, whether, whether you have children, whether you're single, you need or a family that you're taking care of. You need some kind of monetary support to live. And when somebody steals that or hides it from you, 
Yeah. Being, being trusting is an interesting thing. Um, I'm, I'm the type of woman I've been accused of being, and I've accused myself of not wanting to always pay attention to the financial part. I know it's there. I know it's okay. But uh, when I was doing graphic design, I was very reluctant to send invoices to my clients because, oh, I'm a nice girl and I just do stuff because, but I had to invoice them. I had to get the recompense, the value for what I gave to them. And it was a hard lesson. And I, I think a lot of women struggle. With that. I don't think it's a struggle for success uh, against success. I think it's a struggle for how do I evaluate what I do with, with the dollar, that thing called the almighty dollar. Susanna, yeah. can, does any of this resonate with you, Susanna? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, do you know something? Uh, I, I think a lot of it is to do with, we're, part of it is to, it, service is very much, to, the service is very much part of being spiritual and finding spirituality in service mm-hmm. to others. And that has, it's great. It, you kind of, you feel kind of, I found my groove. I found my thing in life. Um, but then it's, it, it, when it get, gives you back that much satisfaction, sometimes it's very hard, as you say, to then kind of put it in black and white on an invoice and say, yeah, it's so meaningful to me, but it's got a, a dollar sign beside it. You know, it's really hard to do that. So, um, it, you know, and yet it is the ultimate, isn't it? If, if you can actually find something that you really love doing. Um, and sometimes for some people, it's a sideline. For other people, it's their main, you know, their main bread and butter, uh, you know, earnings. Um, but if you can and find that you can charge for it, but I totally agree with you, Red. It's, it, it, I think... Uh, and Jessica will be able to tell us better, but I think we're, we're as women, I think we are, there's something in us that are caregivers even to the world. And then we find it hard to kind of charge for that, you know, yeah. and we learn to, you know. Th- thank you for that. Jessica, is this a, something you've heard before? Is this something that what I'm talking about and what Susanna's agreeing with? What do you think? Brad, is my whole third book is about this. Yes. <laughs> Feeling guilty over money. I did a good job. I should be paid, but there's this disconnect. We're like, we don't want to come across as greedy. We feel guilty. Though my first page is talking about going into a confessional and saying to a priest, you know, forgive me, Father, I made a million dollars. And that's kind of the guilt we feel around it. But it's true. It's finding our purpose, what we touched on first, and then how do we align it with our worth? And what do we want to get paid? And I call it stretching our worthiness muscle. And I was just doing this today with my coach. Stretching our worthiness muscle. Let's work on that muscle a little bit more. Yes. And putting putting the number to it also. Uh, Susanna, just give me a second here. I remember being in a networking group years ago in New York and looking for business. I was out of, out of work, quote unquote. I was looking for business as a graphic designer, as a writer, newsletter writer, designer. And I remember traveling on a horribly rainy day to a hotel on Long Island where we had a big meeting and people were pairing up into breakout rooms and talking about what they were doing. You were meeting with potential clients. And Somebody said to me, there's a guy in the lobby who's talking about you. I said, what's he talking about? He's telling people that your prices are too high, you're too expensive, and they shouldn't talk to you. And, should. and I said, excuse me? What? Are, are, are you serious? I'm, first of all, I priced my services, my design work, my, my newsletter writing, my production work. I priced it according to what the going rate was. I was definitely not high end. And he was going around telling people not to talk to me, not to do business with me because he thought I was too expensive. And I was not in any way a competitor of his. I was not taking anything away from him. Nothing. And that was one of my lessons is how do you price we're not going to get into pricing. That's not what the show is about. But how do you how do you value? You use that word, Jessica and Susanna. You did. How do we value what we do that's fair to us? That's a working li- the living that we 
we earn, we work for, we deserve, that the market will pay to other people. How do we say this is it? And I'm sticking to it. And one thought, one train of thought, Jessica, you're more familiar with this than I am, is if you price yourself too low, people undervalue. They say, well, she couldn't or he couldn't be any good. They're not charging enough. If you price it, well, this is the Cadillac or the Mercedes. I don't know if I can afford this. So there's all kinds of it's people's relationship with money when they deal with us when we're asking for money. Am I right, Jessica? Yes, the more in tune we are to our own relationship with money, and we're going to see who we're calling in then. Because we usually call in who we were once were. So if you had issues with debt at one point, those say me, I had an issue with debt, I'm going to call in people with issues with debt. It's going to happen time and time. We're a magnet to who we used to be. So the more in tune and aware we are of our own money and relationship, we're going to bring those people in. So if we value ourselves, we'll bring in people who value us. Beautifully put. Susanna, I interrupted you before. I'm so sorry, but I had to get that story out. Obviously, that was I was a good remember. story. Thank yeah. you, Susanna. Horrible story. I mean, I'm sorry that happened to you. Talk yeah. about insecurities. Yeah. <laughs> Susanna? It's horrible. And I totally, I, I totally relate to it. I, and I remember first when I started first offering mindfulness courses here and I was charging something, but I was actually charging really quite low. But I know it, from, it comes from a Buddhist tradition, a lot of the, you know, the mindfulness teaching that we do. Uh, and certainly they would give it for free. But in the Western world, we really can't. And I had to pay for my training and all of that kind of thing. But I remember getting very early on, getting an email only from one person. But I remember it knocking me uh, saying, you know, why are you charging for this? This should be this should be free. But I mean, I had to pay for the venue, you know, and I had to pay for my training. Uh, but I remember it knocking me that feeling of, oh, golly, should I be? Is that the spirit of what what I'm offering? Uh, because knowing the background to it, but it, you know, in the market that we're in, of course, I had to charge for it. But uh, you know, and you, you were you were just mentioning there, Jessica, about you know, we're kind of a magnet for who we were, and you're you're so right because we're always becoming more something, mm-hmm. and either just more of the same, or unless we set new targets, then we're what we want to be. You know, more of the same. Yeah, good yeah. conversation. I, listen, I'll tell you where I am in Durham. You can't find a shoemaker. For, for love or money. And, the, and I have been looking all over. I had to travel almost a half hour to a major mall, Crabtree Mall, to go find the one and only shoemaker in the whole area. No, I'm a drummer and I have little red suede boots with a like a brocade in the uh, their uh, Ziggy Soho. Very hard to find. I'm buying them now. You, you slightly used on Poshmark, on, on all kinds of websites because they don't make them anymore. And I bought two pairs in red, which were great. And the heel, they put really cheap heels on them from the manufacturer. Long story short, they wear out very quickly when you're drumming, when you're walking. And these were cheap plastic heels that had four little prongs inside, no nails, no rubber on them. You just wear them down and like six wearings and you're down to the fabric on the back. And they're, they're gorgeous. It's a chunky heel and a gold zipper up the side. They're little bootlets. Very, very pretty brocades. I bought the red. Of course, I bought the red. I've been looking for a shoemaker for almost a year for the red. And I finally found one. Okay. So I, I went now that COVID is starting to break. I went to the shoemaker. He charged me for three sets of heels, $60, $20 a pair. Now the boots originally I paid $29 at TJ Maxx. They were, they were nice, comfortable, not high end, but not $5.99. Okay. The boots I bought on Poshmark, which are the blue brocade in the same style. I think I paid 20 plus 10 bucks shipping. So I invested between 20 and 25, 30 per pair. I now almost doubled my investment in those boots. I brought him three pairs. 
$60 worth heels, little rubber heels with nails in them. I, I couldn't say no because I had waited six months to a year to bring the damn shoes. And I had to think this through. Jessica, I had to think, why did I pay? Well, there's a scarcity of people who can do this, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, I love my red boots. That's part of my trademark when I go out to drum, when I do my band. And when I go to open mic nights, I wear the red boots and I can't wear them because I can't. There are no heels on them. Okay. And then I had to figure, what is he paying? Well, this guy has a very desirable space in a very busy mall in Raleigh-Durham area. And it's a high-end mall and he's right next to Panera. You say, oh, where are you? Go in the entrance to Panera, go like a hundred steps into the mall and he's there. He is paying rent, very good rent for it. His wife is the tailor. Anyway, the point was I paid it. He did a very nice job and I brought my boots home and I can't wait to wear them again. So the point was I had to figure out in my head, Jessica and Susanna, how was he having the nerve to charge me that much money for what used to be, what is it, seven bucks a pair or 12 bucks for heels? It was never $20 a pair. And I realized that he is trying to stay alive and do his thing and provide value to his customers. And you just walk in the mall and he's right there. You don't have to take escalators. So anyway, I had to justify to do the work to figure out why I was willing to pay it and why he was charging it. And I smiled and said, thank you. And I have my boots now. Susanna, I want to get into, I'm enjoying talking to both of you so much. I never intended for it to be this kind of conversation, but I'm really, really <laughs> enjoying this. Susanna. I love shoes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I had a guest on my show last week who wrote, uh, writes a novel, novels, and the, the character who's, she's a British writer, thriller, and the, was the thriller was a romantic comedy. I think it was a romantic comedy. The star, the protagonist in the book, has handbags that she buys that talk. They're talking handbags and they talk to her. They're like anthropomorphic and they criticize her. You shouldn't have drank that much last night. And why <laughs> did you go out with your boss? Oh, and no. she, she names them really, really crazy names. It was almost an X-rated show if I had said what she names the bags. So here I have shoes, but they're not talking. Anyway, Susanna, let's talk about spirituality. And my intro to you is, I mentioned before the show, I have a friend in New York where I come from, and he said he had a a rabbi who had very beautiful services, and he brought in singers and actors to the Friday night service, a beautiful synagogue, beautiful stage, the Bema carpet. It was, was a lovely place, but he said, the rabbi has no spirituality. And I tried to figure out what that meant. I think I felt what it meant, but I couldn't define it. Susanna Healy, I'm putting you back on speaker view. What is spirituality? Why should we care? What does it mean to us? Go ahead. Well, Red, it is hard to define because it is so personal. Um, and, and I suppose in the book, in The Seven Day Soul, what I'm kind of arguing is that for too long, we've kind of put it to the wayside and we've said, oh, we can't talk about that. That's one of those kind of very um, private topics. We really can't talk about it and we can't ask people what the spirituality is. And what I argue is that there's now plenty of research to say that whatever our spirituality might be, it helps us and it's really relevant to well-being and therefore it's, it's not a private matter. It's deeply personal, but it's not private. It's actually a matter of public health because it, it does help us. It benefits us. Um, but what it is is a difficult question to answer, but I totally get what your, what your friend was saying. I, I've kind of been there, and I know the times when one thing is a performance and a, lots and lots of stuff going on, but you don't get that little sense of, I don't know if you have the phrase in the States, but the and then some, the little liftoff from normal life that feels like 
oh, we've moved into a different space. And sometimes that can be done through utter silence, not through lots and lots of performance, you know. Interesting. So how, how do you how do you consider yourself a spiritual person? We'll ask Jessica in a minute. But Susanna, you wake up and you say, we're talking about creativity on the show. We haven't gotten to that part yet. But Susanna, you wake up and you say, I am a spiritual being. I embrace spirituality. It informs and it enhances my life. And I have meaning in my life because I understand it and I embrace it. I hope I said that right. And I was saying that with great respect and not mocking at all. So I hope it came across that way. Uh, those were my dulcet tones. I have them once in a while. So, so, tell, so tell me, do I wake up tomorrow? Is Jessica going to wake up and say, I am a spiritual person? How do we get it, Susanna? Where do we find it? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, I definitely would say if we have been brought up with spirituality, then we have spiritual language. We have a way of seeing the world. Um, so we see in between. Um, so it's the relationship between things. It's a bit like no note on its own is beautiful. It's relationship between notes. That's beautiful. So it might be for some people, it might be a sunset. It might be your, uh, your child and just looking at their skin and going, that's living cells. That is, you know, and looking at, looking at your dog and kind of going, wow, there's the, I have a black and white dog. I have a kind of a sheep dog. And um, so, you know, looking at the dog and saying, wow, that, that, there's an intelligence in its skin that knows to make that bit black and that bit white. Isn't that incredible? There's a living you know, intelligence within the cells of the skin. That could be your, your spirituality. It might be um, meaning and that sense of big picture thinking. So spirituality is really about our relationship from inside ourselves to something outside, but also to something within. For some people, they kind of, they don't get the within, it's not for them, but they do get the, yeah, I want to, I'm part of nature or I'm part of the world, or I want to make the world a better place while, while I'm here. You know, that shouldn't be just for uh, beauty pageants kind of thing. We should all be saying that in my view, you know, so it's a relationship to something bigger than ourselves. Interesting. Jessica, talk to me. What do you think? Are you spiritual? Do you want to be? Are you already? I am. So I went to nine years of Catholic school and then that was a lot of guilt and fear based preachings and teachings all along. So I remained a Catholic, but I kind of went away from the church. I would go, but kind of like that rabbi, I would go, I was practicing, but I didn't feel very spiritual until a few years ago when I was dealing with some postpartum depression from having my first daughter. And then again, when I was pregnant with my son and my friend handed me a book on God and I realized I could create my own type of relationship with God. And kind of what Susanna said, it's, I talk about this in my third book because we do go into the spiritual side of money a lot. And whoever it's, whoever you talk to, whoever it is, you say you're thankful I'm so grateful for this day. This was an amazing day. Like, who is it that you talk to and you thank or you go to for help? Is it the universe? Is it God? Is it angels? Is it a goddess? You know, I think finding, you don't have, you don't have to make it a box. I think that's what a lot of religions do. It's this box. It doesn't have to be this box. It can be whatever kind of relationship you want it to be, but don't force it. Let it, let it come and let it grow and mature like any kind of relationship. Thank you. That was lovely. Susanna, does that resonate with you like it did with me? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it, it's so true to say, um, because, you, you know, that's a really living spirituality that Jessica is talking about, because for a lot of people, 
it never matures. I also, I mean, you know, I, I, I still attend Catholic services, so I'm still within the Catholic Church. I probably don't tick all the boxes in all honesty. I have to be honest there. But, um, you know, so it's a bit a la carte. But, you know, it, it's, it's and it is for so many of us, you know, uh, and it has to get personal because otherwise it's meaningless, really. So I think an adult spirituality is, is where you've kind of questioned, you've wobbled a bit, you're perhaps constantly doubting. Um, or, or really, you just don't know. But there's times where you just feel that sense of there is more than the eye can see. And there, there is a sense of awe. It might be a sense of just watching animals. It might be a sense of nature. Uh, it might be a sense of beauty in something or just a moment or in silence. Or as I say in music, it could be anything or it could be an entity that we, as Jessica says, give thanks to. But I, I think what Jessica saying is so true. You do have to make it your own. That's a real living spirituality. Interesting. I, I will share with both of you that I started painting about a year and a half ago, and I'm now up to about 150 pieces. I tend to dive in real fast. Um, I have about 150 pieces, and there are hardly any walls in most of the rooms in my house that aren't covered with my paintings. And I put they're on canvases that are wood-backed, and I'm able to put a push pin in the wall that really doesn't hurt the paint and hang the painting on that. So it's not like I've got nails and, and wire all over the house. But I recently found something from an Australian painter. She's very well known named Jilly, uh, Jilly, um, I can't remember her last name. Jilly, I'll find it and tell somebody. Anyway, Jilly Cube, Jilly, G-I-L-L-Y from Jillian Cube, K-U-B-E. And she has videos all over the place. And her technique is acrylic paint pouring. Now, I started out doing very geometrics with lines and rulers and, and all kinds of packaging uh, collages, multi-material collages with watercolors for the first six months to a year. And then I got interested in acrylic paint pouring. So what I'll do is I'll take a half of a, an egg carton, you know, the styrofoam egg carton. I buy the 18 eggs and I'll just take one, one slice of it with the six. And I pour the paints in. I put a little drop of there's a special oil you put into the paints that are liquid. And you, I will spill it. I'll take some paint that's almost done. I'll splatter it on a big white canvas, maybe 18 by 24, not that big. And then I will take the paints and I will flip I'll put a different color paint in each of the six egg parts, and then I'll flip this egg carton over. And then I circle it in circles and swirls above the canvas and let the colors fall where they may. Then you tilt the canvas down, up, left, right, and you watch the paint flow. And the oil allows little cells to appear, like little little holes in the paint, little cells, and the colors mix and blend. In it's There's no brushes involved. And then you have little water-filled balloons. And when the paint seems to be semi-dry and it's settling, you push this little water-filled balloon filled into a part of the paint, and it pushes the colors into what looks like a, a pansy shape of a flower. And these are called balloon kisses. And I've learned this from Jilly Cube's videos. She does very disciplined videos like the forest and the beautiful, this... I just let it go where it may. But what I want to tell you is when it's done, I'll turn it all four directions to see what it says to me. And I think, Susanna, there might be something spiritual in this. I found a painting I did recently where there were, I found in the colors, you won't believe this, three little elephants that were in a row marching in this direction. I saw the, I did another one where the paint had dripped down and I saw people's faces looking out like little eyes and little, not, not perfect faces, but I could see it was like caught in the forest. And I just did one where the paint was coming down this way and it was a big thing of white with some red in it and then some blue and purple. And my boyfriend said, turn it upside down. I flipped it this way 
And he said, it's fire and ice. There was a whole layer of white kind of swirled with color. And then there was a red and a purple and a yellow in between. He said, I see fire and ice. And I looked at it and I did. And then very busy dots and flecks of other colors. I had taken the leftover paint in the egg carton and just slammed it against the canvas. So the little dots that were left inside were making little flex on the painting. It's very colorful. I'll show it to you after the show is over. I don't have one here. Anyway, I see, and Susanna, I stand there and look at these paintings. There's no plan for them other than what colors am I going to pour? Or I'll just pour them out of a cup. You don't have to use the egg carton. And I'll just look at it and say, what is it? What comes to me? What do I see? And I stop and I get very still and very quiet and very, no music on, no news, nothing. I live, I live here by myself. And these quiet moments are just looking and saying, what did I do? What's in there? Susanna, am I, is this a spiritual moment or am I losing my mind? Talk to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. And then it sounds like, Red, what you saw might be different to what your boyfriend saw. So oh, yeah. you've lifted it from just being paint on a canvas to it, it's created something and it's deeply personal because it's more than the eye can see. What you're seeing is different to what, what he's seeing. So it's it's that suddenly it's created and then some, you know, and I've seen it in, in many different things. And like, for example, I have a favorite picture of it. It's in a British museum, a London museum, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole sculpture. But I have the picture beside a flying pig on my, on my desk is also a picture of this <laughs> statue. And it's just, I love the flying pig, but, <laughs> but beside is this picture of a mother with an infant just kind of, and it's only just the top bit of the mother with an infant kind of, you know, climbing over her shoulder. And to me, it, it, you know, if you, really, it's a block of stone. But it has, it absolutely transfixes me. It's kind of like, well, is he lying on her hair? But because I've had those moments, your child is lying in your hair, it's kind of hurting you, but you wouldn't change that moment for anything. Or you really have other stuff to do, but you're, you know, you're worried about the child and you would, you know, you just stay there forever until the child is bored. That you, you, I'm putting extra my own story into that block of stone and that little sculpture. And it's the same thing. So it's that deeply personal, what it says to you, that spirituality. Thank you. Jessica, anything? Is this resonating with you? I see you nodding. Yes. Yes. Especially what you were talking about. It's kind of like these visions. Something is trying to speak to you through these paintings. Yes. And that's the, that's part of receiving. That's part of receiving money, wealth, receiving opportunities, receiving love is letting the visions talk to you, not forcing it, just letting it come. And there's something there that hit deeply in you because you might have experienced it before or it might be coming to you or it's something that you're, lear- you're yearning for. There's something that's trying to talk to you. Now, let's talk about, I'm going to do a segue here, a little bit interesting. Let's talk about chocolate and mimosas. Jessica, we know what I'm talking about. We're going to get on the subject of creativity, and I think that's really the subtext of what we've been talking about all along. We only have about 18 minutes left, and I have a lot to cover. So Jessica says that she held her first transitioning women's workshops on finance and served chocolate and mimosas. Then she did a yoga event. Then she did a markets and martinis party, not your father's advisor type of event. So you have created moments 
for women in your courses, in your workshops, seminars, webinars, whatever you're titling them, Jessica, for them to have that still moment and relate. So why chocolate and mimosas? Why markets and martinis? Just give us a little clue as to your creativity and how you introduce these special elements that will make them very memorable, I have a feeling. Jessica, what, do you, what were you thinking when you did it? What was the process? And even in January, we did a virtual happy hour and we shipped women champagne. We shipped them champagne. And I can't tell you how many women just loved coming home from work after a long day to see a box of champagne sitting on their stoop or their porch. They go, this was the highlight of my day. But it, it's a way to make money fun. It doesn't have to be this big overwhelming topic of, like you said, let's budget and asset allocation and put your money here. No, it's like, how can we create an environment where women are really able to be vulnerable and open up so that we can hit the real issues going on with their money? Because usually what happens is we talk about the symptoms. I'm in debt. I can't afford this. I want to retire, but I'm going to run out of money, right? Those are all symptoms of what the real money issue is. And I can't get to the real money issue unless you're willing and open to talk to me about it. So I have events. We have wine. We'll have mimosas. We'll have chocolates. We're doing a virtual open house where it's basically like shopping for our money, not just with our money, (laughs) giving women Mm -hmm. ideas. But I always even start and I start my own books with a very personal and vulnerable story of myself. So women know like. I'm living and breathing what they've been going through. I've been through it or I've helped family go through it. I witnessed it. And I want them to know God loves us in our mess. And the first thing we want to do when we're in a mess is hide. And that's the worst thing we can do instead of reaching out and getting help. So that's what I want women to know. Like we can make money fun. It is a game. Let's get engaged and excited over money instead of shying away or avoiding it because it just brings up pain or embarrassment or shame. We have to get past the shame. I can tell you that. Thank you very much. I earn money. Therefore, I should be ashamed. Not anymore. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping that I forgot to do in the beginning. Today is June 7th. It's 158th day of the Gregorian calendar. Thank you to Greg, Gregory, Gregory, whatever his mother called him. We like your calendar. We've kept it for a long time. 207 days left in 2021. Jessica, Speaking of champagne, if you're planning something really wonderful to imbibe on December 31st, 2021, to hope that 2022 is a totally so much better year, then you better think about ordering it soon or about making it in the sink in the garage could be where you make your homemade Kahlua. You could have the bathroom, the bathtub in the guest room. Uh Uh-huh. That could be a still for making some kind of a homemade whiskey, whatever you want. So now is the time to start. This is the 23rd Monday in 2021. I'm the only one who cares about that. The zodiac sign is Gemini. The element is air. The ruler is Mercury. The lucky numbers. Listen to write these down. Five, seven, 14, 23. Good luck. Don't tell me if you don't win. Now let's do a couple of celebrity birthdays here (laughs) today. Prince Prince, Prince, one name. His name was Prince Rogers Nelson. Prince would have been 63. Funk, rock, R&B, singer, songwriter, musician. 1999 was one of his songs. Purple Rain. We all remember that one. Not the way I sang it. He passed away in 2016. And I remember that day. Five years ago, he's gone from a, uh, they think it might have been a very unfortunate and unintentional overdose in his private elevator. I think it was a very strange story. But Prince, you brought a lot of light and a lot of wonderful and very introspective music to the world, right? I think he brought some spirituality, Susanna. I have a feeling. 
Tom Jones, what's new, Pussycat? Oh, am I killing the songs today? 80 years old, Tom Jones, remember him? The green, green grass of home. I, I love Tom Jones. I, those hips, remember he did a, his own version of Elvis with the hip swivels? Wow. Something about that black jacket with the open neck white shirt. I am seriously dating myself here. Liam Nelson, a little bit younger, is 68 today. Irish American, starred in Schindler's List, Les Miserables, all kinds of movies. Very powerful actor. Still doing a lot of, I think, some violent movies about probably money laundering and crime and all that. He's still a uh, Bill Hader comedian started out on SNL or he did that somewhere. I think he's married to somebody very famous. He's 42. Happy birthday, Bill Fader, former Russian tennis player, Anna Kornikova is all of 39 today. That was Jack Benny's age. He stayed with, he's always going to be 39. And the rapper Iggy Azalea, who I know absolutely nothing about is 30. Mazel tov to you. Happy birthday. Let's do some quick national holidays you've never heard of, and you're going to do it now. And you're going to tell me quickly if you plan to celebrate or if you already did. So today is June 7th. It's national chocolate ice cream day. Oh, who likes chocolate ice cream? Susanna? That's a winner. I will tell you that I just discovered that Turkey Hill makes a triple chocolate, a triple palatin, they call it, with three kinds of chocolate. Instead of chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, three flavors of chocolate all in the same carton. And one has little tiny chocolate chips that really, they're too tiny and they stick in your teeth. But the other one, it's creamy and there might be some candy embedded in one of them. Very, very creamy, very good. There's another one I've been buying. I think it's Briars and it's chocolate truffle. And it actually has little squares of chocolate truffle candy embedded in it. If you're going to have an ice cream soda with a short straw, a small thin straw, you'll never get the candy up. So you got to use a spoon to scoop it out of the bottom. I, I wouldn't know. I've just heard that, of course. Um, June 8th, tomorrow is National Best Friends Day and World Oceans Day. So, Jessica, you have a best friend. You're going to take them to the ocean. What do you think? Should we combine? That's Or, or maybe we'll do, um, I don't know, a, a, a tub a bath. <laughs> Susanna, what are you going to time each other in the bath? (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely will. I think if I'm going to die of hypothermia, why shouldn't I bring my friends along with me? (laughs) Well, Wednesday, okay. Wednesday is international. First of all, it's National Donald Duck Day. Okay, that that would be fun. But it's International Dark and Stormy Day. Do you both know what a dark and stormy is? No. It's a drink. I was going to say a drink. accidental collaborative effort by the Bermuda rum makers, the Goslings, Goslings Rum, and seasick sailors, members of the British Navy who were stationed on Bermuda in the 1920s. I memorized all this, of course, I'm not reading it. They brewed ginger beer as a remedy for seasickness. Some intrepid sailors began adding a little bit of Gosling's rum, black seal rum, made it into a dizzy tummy remedy from a dizzy tummy into one of the most popular and widely recognized cocktails of all time. So it's called the dark and stormy. So Wednesday, you can take some rum and you can take some brewed ginger beer and mix them and good luck to you. I can't promise what's going to do to your tummy. Thursday, if you didn't like the dark and stormy, Thursday is National Iced Tea Day. That's a little more palatable. Jessica, are you an iced tea drinker? I'm a hot tea drinker, but Ooh. I could just switch it up that day, I guess. You could, a couple of cubes. Susanna, what about you? Iced tea? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Jessica. I drink a lot of tea during the day, but it's hot tea. So, yeah, I'll have to go in search of some iced tea. <laughs> well, I watch. I, I started watching a lot of British detective shows, including MI5, which is called Spooks. 
also, and uh, all kinds of uh, The Unforgotten, I think, with Nicola Walker. And um, what am I watching? Um, uh, the, the Morse series, Inspector Morse, Inspector Lewis, Endeavor. Endeavor was the young Morse, and they made that show after they finished Morse. John Thaw, the actor in Morse, died. And then they had Inspector Lewis, which was who was his secondhand man when Morse was around. But in the Endeavor series, his, his first name was Endeavor Morse, but they never called him that. They just called him Morse. So when they admitted his first name, they made a whole series with a very young, attractive actor who did a fabulous job. I went through that, binged it a couple of weeks. And his second person was Fred Thursday, Detective Sergeant Thursday. Anyway, it gets very confusing. But anyway, so um, I have two more episodes left on MI5. And the secret to that show is that they kill off all their main agents in the MI5 unit. They either get murdered, exploded, blown up, or they decide to leave the show and they have to pick their exit. So every single person who's been a main part of the team has died or left in disgrace. Very few get to leave on their own terms. I have two more left and somebody beloved in the series is going to die in the next episode. And I'm very sad about that. So my point is, they always say, would you like a spot of tea? When they were in trouble, can I bring you some tea? Would you like a cup of tea? They're always, <laughs> cuppa. Would you like a cuppa? Yes. Okay. I'm glad you two drink hot tea. We'll change Thursday to National Hot Tea Day for the two of you. Friday, get your teeth strong. It's National Corn on the Cob Day. And if that isn't good enough, it's German Chocolate Cake Day. Okay, Susanna, which one? Corn on the Cob, German Chocolate Cake, either or both. Oh, golly. Well, you know, I'll do the healthy bit so that I'm allowed to have the chocolate cake afterwards. So let's go for both. Let's go for both. Jessica, what about you? My daughter, who's four, is obsessed with corn. She would probably eat them both together. She would probably coat the corn with the chocolate cake. Yes. She's been known to eat strawberries on top of pickles. Don't do that to the host. I don't like to choke up. (laughs) That was so funny. Thank you very much, Jessica. Saturday is National Loving Day, which we can do with our families. And it's peanut butter cookie day and it's rosé day. So you can have the peanut butter cookie. Yeah, you can drink the rosé and you could be loving to somebody you love. I think it's a beautiful day. 13th, June 13th is National Sewing Machine Day. Would you believe I used to sew so hard and so many things when I was a young married, I was sewing my clothes, my daughter's clothes. I actually Worked my way through ruining a steel sewing machine. It was a Sears machine. I think I wore it out. I wore out the moving parts because I sewed so much. <laughs> I have owned so many, and I have, I still have in a beautiful cabinet that's in my my art room here. I have my mother's 1940 something Singer sewing machine in one of those tables that the top opens up. I still have. It hasn't been used in years, but I brought it with me. All the others I gave away. I bought a very fancy. Um, sewing machine just before I moved from New York to here to Durham. And it was one of those that you could make fancy letters and and patterns and all of the different, you know, decorative sewing. I hated it with a passion. It was a good machine, cost me a couple of hundred. I waited too long to return it because I realized it didn't do what I thought it was going to do, what they said it was going to do. And I hated it. Jessica, bad financial decision. So I went to the supermarket. I was new here and I met a young man, a a young man who was... um, a seamstress. He, it, his day job was checker at a supermarket, Harris Teeter. And he told me he was part of a sewing circle and he was a designer of women's clothes. So I walked into the supermarket one day and I said to him, how would you like to accept my sewing machine as a gift for your collective? 
And he said he would love it. So I packed it up and I brought it into a cart from the, from the, from the uh, parking lot. And I, I said to the manager, I'm leaving this cart next to whatever his name was, Rashid, I think his name was. I'm leaving this here. Don't put any groceries in it. And this is my gift to him. And he took it home and uh, he was very, very pleased. And he, he wrote me a thank you note. So he's using it to design clothes with beautiful African patterns. So that was my way of, of gifting something. So National Sewing Machine Day, Rashid, enjoy that. And next Monday is National Flag Day. We know that. And it's Bourbon Day. We've got four minutes left. So I want you both to thank you for playing along, ladies. I'd like you both to tell us now where people can find you because there's so much to learn from each of you. Jessica Weaver, website, where are you? Yes, jessicaweaver.com. So www.jessica w-e-a-v-e-r.com you can get my first two books strong woman here they are strong woman stronger assets and time to refine but if you go there now we have my third book that's coming out this summer you can get all the insights of money meditations a money spirit guide my first two books so go to jessicaweaver.com and you can get the inside access to confessions of a money queen Wow. Hold up your books one more time. You did it too fast. Hold it up for the Facebook audience. (laughs) There you go. Facebook, hold it up there. I'm looking. We have a delay of about four seconds on Facebook. So I will see it in a minute. That's what I'm looking over there. It'll it'll happen. Okay. Thank you very much. J-E-S-S-I-C-A-W-E-A-V-E-R.com. Susanna Healy, where can people go to find you? Well, SusannaHealy.com or the easier to spell is SevenDaySoul.com, S-E-V-E-N-D-A-Y-S-O-U-L.com. You also get me on Instagram at SevenDaySoul and I'm also on Facebook as well. Um, And these are my two books. Uh, Hold up your books. Oh, fabulous. Jelly user. Oh, I like that. What's the other one? That was my own struggles with weight loss and how I went on to lose a lot of weight. And this is the Seven Day Soul Finding Meaning Beneath the Noise. Very nice. That's a nice cover. I like the, I like the stones on that one. I'm putting white beach stones in my garden, by the way. I just bought two bags. Try lifting a 30-pound bag of, yes, okay. Thank you. Very nice. So that is sevendaysoul.com. S-E-V-E-N, spell it out, S-E-V-E-N-D-A-Y-S-O-U-L.com. You can find, and Susanna spells her first name, S-U-S-A-N-N-A-H, Healy, H-E-A-L-Y, no E before the Y. Ladies, it has been such a delight speaking with you, and I have a couple of closing things here, a couple of closing remarks. I went through, and thank you again to Josh for being our engineer. I found my notes from my radio shows. I used to be a a drive time host Friday nights on WGBB radio in Long Island, New York, the oldest AM station. And I had to bring so many notes in a briefcase with me. I didn't have any kind of a monitor in the studio. And I found all kinds of things I wanted to, words of wisdom and songs and things. And I found my notes from 2014. And I wanted to share them with you because we have about a minute to go. So let me share these with you. Jessica Weaver, such a delight to meet you. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your passion. Susanna Healy, same thing. And I met both of you at the National Publicity Summit, now the virtual summit, and I'm attending another one next Tuesday night, June 15th. So another virtual summit. They're doing about every 12 weeks now. I'm doing about four a year. I used to do two a year in person in New York. Words to live by. Listen up. Life is short. Break the rules. Yes. Forgive quickly. Eh, Not that easy. Kiss slowly, it's the only way, trust me. Love truly from your heart with any kind of spirituality you can find. Laugh uncontrollably and never regret anything that made you smile. And one more set here. Work like you don't need the money, but Jessica, we know we do. 
but try to enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Dance like no one's watching. Hey, when I was teaching 100, 200, 300 people how to dance disco and line dances and all that, people were watching. Trust me. Sing like nobody's listening if you have to. Hope nobody's listening if you don't know what you're doing. And love like you've never been hurt because we all have been. And after a while, nobody cares. Just get over (laughs) it and move on and figure it out. Okay. Money talks. Right, Jessica? Chocolate sings, right, Susanna? And last but not least, and I stole this line from another host I heard many years ago. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red saying bye-bye. Ladies, wave bye. Bye, Facebook. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.